On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Elon Musk drops some important new information while celebrating the about-to-open Giga Berlin at GigaFest. Tesla co-founder J.B. Straubel gives a rare interview talking about the early days of Tesla. Another toy Cybertruck has been announced, and more. Hey everybody, I'm Ryan McCaffrey, and the bumper sticker on the back of this podcast reads, Dog is my co-pilot, because Daisy the Boxer, as always, is to my left. Welcome to Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for October 17th, 2021. It's episode 324. And a few things to go over before I get rolling with this week's Tesla news, and there, as usual, is plenty of it. First, the Q3 earnings call and shareholder letter will be out next week. And thus, on next week's episode, I'll have my usual quarterly recap, highlight clips, and analysis for you on the earnings call show. Those are always fun to put together, so stay tuned for that on episode 325 next week. Also, a quick FSD beta rollout update from Elon. Earlier this week, he tweeted, quote, maybe next week, meaning for the 99 out of 100 safety score group, Uh, And he's referring there by next week to this week, the week of the 18th. He says, we'd like to get to 10.3, version 10.3, before expanding the beta. And then later he did clarify saying, quote, beta 10.3 releasing Friday next week to all cars with 99 out of 100 safety score. So again, stay tuned for that. He means the 22nd of October there. Now, I'm sure that the 99 group is a lot larger than the 100 group was. And in fact, thinking about it, I mean, I'm no statistician, but I would imagine it's probably kind of like a bell curve, at least in the in the 90s, where the groups just get huge. The samples uh, gets huge in the middle, like the mid 90s. You probably got more 99s than 100s, more 98s than 99s, more 97s than 98s and then kind of sloping back uh, towards 90, and then below 90, I would imagine people are just kind of scattered in pockets below that. So we will see how long it takes for me to get there. My score, as I record this, remains 97. So I'm doing pretty well, but at, at the current pace, if I don't know if they're going to do it by builds, like uh, the, the 98 group is going to have to wait for 10.4, and new builds are coming either every week or, in this case, every other week. So, you know, it could be another month before me and the other 97 see it. It could be two weeks, could be three weeks. We'll see about that. That also assumes that I'm able to stay at at least a 97 safety score as well. So we'll see about that. Uh, Next little tidbit before I get going... I want to say thank you to a number of my UK listeners for letting me know that Tesla sent out the emails. It is official. The Model Y is now available for order in the UK. So the only question now really is whether or not those Model Ys are going to be built in Shanghai or in Berlin. I think it's almost certainly going to be Shanghai 
as the you know the, the biggest and most obvious reason for that would be that Berlin hasn't actually opened yet. It has not officially started production. But also, there's the fact that Shanghai is already teed up to do batches of right-hand drive cars for territories like Australia and other markets. So it would make sense to do this first round of UK uh, deliveries there as well. And then, of course, in time, Berlin is going to take over all European deliveries. But this first round, I think, is probably going to come out of Shanghai. And the point here, congratulations to my UK listeners who've been looking forward to this moment. Some of you probably for a very long time. Uh, And finally this week, before the news proper gets started, I wanted to throw this one to longtime Ride the Lightning listener Christy from Austin with some good news for Texas Tesla owners. By the way, can we start calling you guys Texla owners? Just as a, just as a shorthand, I don't know. I'm not sure if that works or not. But anyway, here's Christy from Austin. Hey Ryan, it's Christy in Austin, Texas. Just wanted to chat about the new Tesla insurance here in Texas. Uh, the website was updated, and so Texas residents are now able to get a quote online. And I was excited to go and see what it would do for us, but unfortunately, it looks like it's going to cost seventy five dollars a month more than my current insurance with Costco Ameriprise. So um, it's interesting because we matched our coverage and with our Y and 3, both performance, um, we have a 98 safety score currently. But even with our high safety score and um, the coverage matching, which wasn't quite one for one, the Tesla coverage actually had a higher deductible and didn't offer some of the gap insurance coverage that we had on our current plan, um, looked like it was going to be more money. And the other thing that I'm actually not too sad that I can't switch, the idea of having my insurance premium change month over month based on my safety score actually made me pretty nervous. Um, Right now, we've been driving like grandmas to try to get a good safety score to get FSD, but um, I honestly don't want to drive my car like this for uh, the rest of eternity. Um, You know, having to be so conscious and so worried about the safety score so that my premium wouldn't go up every month just seems like it would kind of take the fun out of driving. So um, I'd be curious to hear what uh, others think about this. Are you willing to switch to Tesla insurance for other benefits, um, even if you know that your premium could change if you do, you know, have fun with your car or gosh, take it to an autocross or track event? I can't imagine what that would do to your safety score. You'd probably be paying penalties for months until you could get your score back up. So anyways, i uh, love to hear your thoughts. Take care. Bye. Christy, thank you very much for sharing that. I am glad that Texla owners, yes, I'm rolling with this. Bear with me. We'll give it a try. Uh, will now have another insurance option. Now that said, I completely share your apprehension regarding the idea that your driving is being constantly monitored. It's kind of a double-edged sword, right? I mean, there's there's good and there's bad. But, you know, it's funny that you say this because just today I was texting a friend of mine telling him that I'm getting, honestly, I'm getting pretty tired of driving my car like it's a golf cart when I paid for the performance model three, I mean, I know it's voluntary. I could, I could resume (laughs) driving it like a performance model three anytime I want. 
it'll just delay the uh, delay my full self-driving beta arrival. I'm not currently willing to do that. But anyway, uh, yes, Christy, also, you're totally right that Tesla has simply got to find a way to take track days, autocross days, drag strip days into account. I feel like the easiest way to do that would be to simply combine, just have like a two-step verification, basically. A GPS check of where the car is. So, you know, it can see, oh, you're at a track. Number two, if you're in track mode, the safety score should temporarily stop tracking you. Now, the only problem with that, of course, is that not every Tesla has track mode and plenty of non-performance Tesla owners want to do track stuff. So there's got to be a solution there. But uh, in any case, hopefully Tesla not only remains flexible and open to change with their insurance as they mature the business and grow it, but I also hope that Tesla remains transparent about their thinking and about the evolution of the insurance with Tesla owners, because I think those two things would go a long way towards giving Tesla owners and prospective Tesla insurance customers more confidence in Tesla's own insurance option. All right, let me get on with the proper Tesla news for the week, although those those were practically some news items in and of themselves. I want to start with something that really brought me a lot of joy this week, and that was a new and quite honestly, very rare interview with one of Tesla's co-founders, their former CTO, J.B. Straubel, who these days is at Redwood Materials. And uh, in this interview, he talks about Tesla, which is obviously why I'm playing you the clip. Now, the credit here goes to Jason Calacanis, who, if you may remember, was a guest on this podcast, gosh, two or three years ago now I had Jason on. And Jason is an angel investor. He hosts a podcast that airs regularly that focuses on investors and startups. The podcast is called This Week in Startups. And this past week, he interviewed JB about what he's up to now at Redwood Materials. That's JB's new company that he left Tesla for. He is doing battery recycling, which is pretty cool. The interview uh, covered... Not just Redwood Materials, of course, but also the early days of Tesla. And so that's where I want to play you just a few clips from this. I would wholeheartedly encourage you to go out and either listen to and or watch the entire thing. I will try to remember when I'm done recording and editing this to put a link to it in the episode description because it is a great conversation. I think Jason does a really great job on this interview, largely because... Jason was right there living it in those days as an early investor in Tesla and an early Roadster owner. Jason also has signature number one, not founders, but he's got signature one of the Model S. He's also, he was one of the uh, the day one Model 3 owners on that initial event that, you know, the Model 3 delivery event as well. So if in case I happen to forget to put the link to it in the show notes here, Look for This Week in Startups, episode 1299. Yes, 1,299. So with that preamble out of the way, here is the first clip from JB, which is about battery costs in the original Roadster days. Yeah, it was in that ballpark. It was, you know, close to $1,000 a kilowatt hour. <laughs> wow. You know, 
So I think you know, 53 and change kilowatt hours in the first generation Roadster and uh, yeah, probably around 50 to $55,000, something in there. Just for the battery pack. Just for the battery. I replaced my Roadster battery pack with the 300 plus mile one, I think for $25,000 um, X number of years later, and I can go 350 miles. Although you probably wouldn't want to drive for six hours in a Roadster. <laughs> it might be a better mission for the Y. Need a chiropractor after that. Wow. So it was 50 grand for the battery pack in the OG Roadster days. To give you an idea of just how far Tesla has come, they are either at now or closing in on $100 per kilowatt hour now. That's always been the big goal. So they were at 10 times that cost in the very beginning and on a 230 mile battery, no less. Now we're at, you know, 320, 360, 405 mile batteries, depending which Tesla you buy. So pretty crazy stuff. It's uh, the technology has just been advancing at an incredible rate due largely, almost entirely to the hard work of the Tesla team. All right. This next clip is about uh, the early days of those first roadsters, what it was like when Tesla first started delivering cars. I mean, it was it was incredibly rewarding and exciting. You know, we were obviously pretty late delivering them in the first place. Just, and just a year or two. Just, just a little bit. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and, and all these early customers just were, were such a key part of the, the company and the mission back then. It was it was kind of, you know, this sense of camaraderie, you know, making this happen. Um, and yeah, we were, I mean, we were super proud of it. You know, we'd put our heart and soul into that thing and, and, uh, you know, worked on it for so many years as a pretty small team. And obviously it was very different, you know, profile then, you know, much, much lower profile. Um, but you know, to see a modern electric car out there and having customers actually enjoying it and experiencing it, doing, you know, multi hundred mile drives, it was, it was pretty amazing. I mean, that was revolutionary. People didn't, you know, most people would still think we were lying actually about the range, you know, in those days, which was amazing. You know, I wish I would have been following Tesla more closely back then because it really would have been fascinating to see people's reaction to the car, like how JB describes. I mean, for me, I really, I don't even think I was aware of Tesla in 2008 when Roadster deliveries first started. As I've told you probably a few times over the years, including back on episode one, my entry into Tesla came in summer of 2009 when I first started to become aware of them and then had the DeLorean Club event at Tesla uh, in the summer there. And then it kind of started <laughs> started going down the rabbit hole after that. But anyway, you know, it's Tesla really was a startup back then by any and every definition of the term. And in fact, here is JB talking about now the early Model S days and how that changed things and how it didn't change things like maybe Tesla was hoping for. Well, the, I mean, the Model S was, um, I mean, it, it's such a different car. I mean, that, yeah. that was the one that really, with the Roadster, it was a technology validation. You know, we proved mm -hmm. the batteries could work. They could go in a car, it could be safe, could do the range and acceleration. But I mean, the S was, was a whole different thing. And, um, you know, it, it was so good. You know, we, we put so much effort into that. And I mean, Elon was hell bent on making it, you know, the best car, you know, on the road. And, and we, you know, I think really delivered on that at the time. It was, it was phenomenal. Um, you know, I, I still am amazed though, 
at how much skepticism there was. You know, even even after you know delivering those, you know, I, we kind of imagined. I imagined that you know people would see this and they'd say, "Oh, okay, clearly this is the future. This is all going to work." You know, all the car companies are going to copy this immediately. Yeah, and you know, we'll have to go really fast. You know, figure out how we can carve out a niche. Um, and it just didn't happen. You know, it's so strange. Customers loved it. You know, it was a runaway hit with reviewers and and magazines and customers, but the 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 copying and the the market change didn't happen. That was interesting. Isn't that interesting? Tesla thought everybody would copy them immediately after the Model S came out and proved the technology and was a huge hit, but instead, no one did, as we all know now. I remember giving this theory way back on my first episode, but hearing JB say that, it reminds me of that again. And that theory that I have had slash still have, I still believe it, is this. I believe that's where insane mode and then ludicrous mode came from. That is when Tesla realized that, uh uh-oh, nobody's going to copy us like we want. So instead... They had to basically shame other automakers into uh, into making electric vehicles by just outright destroying them on performance metrics because they knew that's what would get people to pay attention to Tesla and to electric vehicles, you know, basically to embarrass them. That's that's really the bottom line. And, you know, if you fast forward to 2021, I don't know if that theory is really all that correct or not, but. You can say that that strategy has worked, whether it was intentional or not. I mean, look at the plaid. I mean, I'll give you an example. I've mentioned Doug DeMuro on my podcast before. He's a car reviewer on YouTube who I really like. I'm a big fan of his. I think he's a very genuine critic, a very fair critic, and somebody who's also a true car enthusiast. To me, he's almost like a younger Jay Leno. Anyway... Take a listen to Doug here, just a small clip of Doug during his Model S Plaid review. This is while he's driving the car for the first time. He's filming himself while he's driving it for the first time and just giving his thoughts. He's, Doug has a very interesting perspective here. So yes, I do understand this is like the inception of Ride the Lightning segments because it's I'm playing you a clip within a clip, but anyway, here you go. Here's Doug DeMuro. It's like nothing I've ever driven, ever, ever. <laughs> and it's funny because electric cars, I kind of criticize them sometimes because yeah, they're really fast when you start accelerating hard, but when you get faster and faster, they sort of slow down. Well, this, that might be true of this, but I looked down at one point, I was going 110. And so, I mean, even if it does slow down at above that speed, I <laughs> It's not really relevant, ultimately. It requires you to completely rethink everything you've ever thought about automotive speed. I have to do it again. Oh my God. It's, 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 It's the craziest roller coaster you've ever been on in your entire life, is what it is. It's also kind of funny because, um, I've driven everything. I don't know how many people who've driven the Plaids yet have. I've driven the Koenigseggs, the Bugattis, the, you know, Pagani, every, everything for LaFerrari. And so it's even more amazing, I think, for me, in a sense, because I've, I've, the experience of those cars is quite something. You, you, you go there that day and you know, I mean, this is a, this is a big moment. You're, you're, you're terrified. You've called your insurance company beforehand to give them information. Hey, I'm going to drive this expensive car. You're nervous. You're, you're thinking, oh my God, this is such a special thing. This is just a car a 
dude can buy. This isn't like that. This doesn't have that sense of occasion. Um, you can just do this, and yet you're faster than all that stuff. So you see my point there about how Tesla, again, intentionally or not, has helped to drive the EV movement forward by just embarrassing all of the other automakers with the performance metrics of an EV. Anyway, let me get back on track here. This next clip, again, we're getting back to Jason Calacanis and J.B. Straubel, is all Jason talking about the very critical Model 3 ramp-up. I will let Jason take it from here because I think he says it perfectly. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the great things, I think, about entrepreneurship is that um, if you actually knew how hard it was going to be, you just would not do it. <laughs> it's one of the great yep. ironies or paradoxes. <laughs> so I mean, true. you guys had, I remember visiting the factory in the Gigafactory at that time period, and you literally had executives from the corporate office on the line, delivering cars, interact. I mean, literally people who were in accounting were there del delivering Model 3s to customers just to keep the company solvent. I mean, the esprit de corps is, was just palatable. And, uh, you know, I just think the world, you probably don't hear this enough, but I think the world does thank you ultimately for the massive sacrifice it took to, to make the world pivot to electric. And it's, it's so clear, I think, and um, I'm curious for your thoughts that now that Tesla has done this and succeeded, um, it is now inevitable that the ICE engine will be retired and, and, and we will be 100% electric in the next decade, two or three. What are your thoughts on that? I 100% agree. I mean, we, the, uh, we've passed the, the threshold here, the tipping point or whatever analogy you want to use. You know, there's, there's, no, um, there's no going back. And, you know, there will still be bumps along the way. I mean, it, it's, it's sobering to realize or remember, you know, what a small percent of the fleet is still electrified. I mean, we're still you know, broadly in single digit percents, maybe approaching 10, you know, depending on which region. Mm. But, um, you know, we've got a long way to go still. But, you know, it's clear now to every major, you know, auto company, maybe bar a few holdouts, but, um, you know, they, they, people realize this is the future and where it's headed. Um, and it's it's really cool, you know, because that was actually one of the, the main missions of the team at Tesla in the earliest days was, you know, even despite how hard it was and, you know, maybe we'd fail trying, but, you know, damn the torpedoes, we were going to try and, you know, convince the world that this was the future and accelerate it as much as we could. And, um, you know, having that shared mission and, and that sense of purpose, you know, made it possible, I'd say, to get through the, the production hell and, uh, you know, keep everyone engaged and aligned and, and create that, you know, that that spirit that you felt. Jason is absolutely right. The Tesla team, past and present, does not hear enough, get enough credit for what they did and have continued to do. Thank you, Jason Calacanis, for that excellent interview. Thanks to JB for actually doing an interview and talking some Tesla there. Again, I encourage you to go and listen to the entire interview. It is This Week in Startups, and the episode number is 1299. So go take a listen to that. All right, next, I've got more clips from an event for you. In this case, it's Elon Musk's speech at the GigaFest County Fair at Giga Berlin, which is in the final stages of construction. I want to give a thank you to the YouTube channel 
blue pill or red pill for uh, for shooting this and uploading it to YouTube. I've got several clips for you here, and I'll be honest with you on this one. Uh, unlike the Jason Calacanis interview with J.B. Straubel, this is uh, not worth watching the whole thing with, with no disrespect to the blue pill or red pill channel. It's not their fault. Really, it just wasn't much of a presentation because Elon's PowerPoint deck didn't work. So he spent most of the time just turning around and looking at the same screen the audience was on the you know the projector, just trying to read it using his best German pronunciation. And as the dead air grew at times, people in the crowd just started shouting questions at him. It, it kind of honestly felt like an Elon Twitter session, but in real life. But I've got the highlights here for you, so let's get started. I've got, let's see, one, two, three, four clips from this. Here uh, is the first one, Elon reaffirming the timeline, the production timeline for Giga Berlin. Well, we're aiming to start production uh, in a few months, basically November or December, um, in terms of, uh, and hopefully deliver our first cars in December. Um, but starter production is, is kind of the easy part. The hard part is reaching volume production. So um, production is just incredibly difficult. That's uh, so why I, I say like prototypes are easy, production is hard. Um, and so from the point at which we start making cars, it will take longer to reach high volume production than it took to build the factory. It's really difficult. I know there's nothing new there, but it's nevertheless just great to hear him say that they're still on track to do those first deliveries out of Berlin this year. You know, when I listened to that clip, when I when I was watching the video, at first I was like, uh-oh, when he said that it would be in a few months. But then, of course, moments later, he immediately said November or December. So it is, in fact, not a few months that they intend to start production, but more like one or two months. And by the way, uh, if you're curious about what battery cells are going to be in those initial production Model Ys out of Giga Berlin, take a listen to this next clip. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> for initial production, uh, we'll be you know, coming from outside of uh, Europe, um, so, you know, most likely from uh, a Tesla at China. Um, until we have the cell factory here in operation. But we are aiming to have the cell factory uh, reach uh, volume production by the end of next year, um, as well as to reach volume production um, it, it, you know, in general for the cell factory by the end of next year. Um, so volume production would be in excess of 5,000 cars per week and hopefully closer to 10,000. So that gives us a much clearer picture of how the early days of Giga Berlin are going to go. In short, if you're in Europe and you order a Model Y, you're going to get a Model Y 1.0, as I've been calling them, with the 2170 battery cells that all of us have now, and that's probably gonna last for about the next year. The 4680s are not gonna start going into the Berlin-built Model Y until late next year, late 2022. Call it roughly 12 months or so from now. Bear in mind that if you are in Europe and considering an order but wanted to wait for the new cells, your timeline is uh, probably pushed out a little bit further than you had hoped, but this is just the scenario that we find ourselves in. I know a number of you have called in or emailed me about this, so that's why I wanted to 
play that clip and talk about this specifically. Next up, how about a new paint color out of the Berlin paint shop? <laughs> well, there's going to be a special crimson. Um, but there's, the, the way that you do the colors, I think, is, is kind of important. Uh, you need to have a multi-layer paint system that's got to be designed into the paint. The, the, the paint shop uh, has to, you have to build it in. So it's a, it's a very multi-layer, multi-layer paint. It's, it's, it's more than just the color, basically. It's a, uh, you want dimensionality to the paint, which you can only really get if you have uh, multiple layers. If you're curious about that crimson, there are pictures of it online from the factory tour. It was kind of hiding on a, just a body that they had on display. It's sort of a purplish red is how I would describe it. I, I think it's quite nice. I mean, I can tell you that now that Tesla is talking about it and in fact showing this paint color themselves, I actually had posted a photo of Elon Musk's own personal Model S that was painted in this color a while back. I think it might've been sometime last year, I guess. And I had specific written permission from the employee that had sent that photo to me, but I never talked about it on the podcast because that person unfortunately got in pretty big trouble. Uh, and then they reached out to me and asked me to take it down pretty quickly. So I did because I sure as heck don't want anybody to lose their job just so an idiot like me can get some internet points. That is far from a good trade. No thank you. So, uh, But I can tell you, again, in my opinion, I know paint color is the most subjective thing on a car there is, really. I think it's a really neat color. I'll be curious to see how it looks on a finished Model Y, but it definitely, for me, looked really good on the Model S. One more clip for you. How about some Giga Beer? Um, and then we're uh, gonna have graffiti murals all, all throughout the factory and on the outside and everything. So I think that's gonna be super, really cool. We've got some of them already. Uh. <laughs> and we're even gonna have a beer. The beer in Giga Beer is, of course, spelled the German way, B-I-E-R, and they showed a picture of the bottle on the screen during the presentation. It's a very uniquely shaped bottle. My hope is that it's going to be a really good local German craft beer, and I'm also hoping it's going to be available worldwide. I personally am not opening my Tesla tequila that I was lucky enough to get a bottle of, but... I definitely would like to try the Giga Beer, provided I can get my hands on more than one bottle. One to keep, one to keep sealed, and at least one to drink. That would be fun. So those were the highlights from Elon's presentation during Giga Fest, the sort of pre-grand opening ceremony for Giga Berlin. But uh, there's not, there's still more. There's, I'm not done with this week's news yet. I wanted to do two more stories for you. First up, Mattel, toy maker Mattel, is doing a, shall we call it, not a Lego Cybertruck kit. I say that in keeping with the Elon Muskiverse theme of not a blank products, like the not a flamethrower. Mattel apparently has their own Lego clone. I was not even aware of it until this. It's called Mega, M-E-G-A, yes, also in all caps, just like Lego. And Mattel is continuing to put that Cybertruck license that they've got from Tesla to good use 
for yet another product. They've done what, three radio-controlled Teslas, uh, radio-controlled Cybertrucks, pardon me, of various sizes. This mega kit is a 3,000 plus piece Cybertruck kit that's under their Mattel Creations brand, and it's gonna retail for $250, so not cheap. Here's the product description if you're curious. Everyone at Mega loves the Cybertruck as much as you do, so we are excited to introduce you to our latest iteration, the Mega X Cybertruck. Mega cross, you know, like a crossover kind of thing. It is a one-of-a-kind building experience that culminates in an iconic display-worthy model of the new Cybertruck that only Mega can give you. Inspired by the original designs from Tesla's upcoming release, we created a Mega X Cybertruck you can build brick by brick and customize to reveal different hidden features that can only be discovered while you build it. The mega designers are committed, even obsessed, with making this model as true to form as possible. With over 3,000 pieces in this building set, you'll be able to discover all the details like the sharp-angled exoskeleton, adjustable air suspension, armor glass windows, in, and even more Easter eggs while you put this brick model together. The, this buildable Mega X Cybertruck is the pinnacle of our devotion and literally puts the future in your hands. Well, uh, Mattel doesn't say what size it is. In other words, what scale. But I will say in the pictures, it does look pretty darn cool in those product photos. Now, if you recall, a Tesla community member who's also a Lego aficionado got a lot of votes on the Lego Ideas platform one year ago. In fact, I looked it up. It was almost exactly a year ago for the Lego Cybertruck kit that the person was pitching. But Lego opted not to put the kit into production. And now perhaps this is why. Perhaps that Lego knew that Mattel already had or had, you know, it had it in agreement but hadn't announced yet the seemingly exclusive license for the Cybertruck merch from Tesla. In any case, I will say I'm probably out on this one. I feel like I've exhausted my expensive but cool Tesla accessories budget on the aforementioned Tesla tequila that I was lucky enough to snag. Gosh, when was that? That was the very, very end of last year. I think I got it on like New Year's Eve or New Year's Day is when it was finally delivered. But anyway, as for this mega Cybertruck, if you are interested in it, much to my surprise, it's still available as of my recording. So if you're interested, it currently says it ships on or before December 8th, so you would theoretically get it in time for the holidays. There's a limit of two per order, so if you wanted to, you could get one for yourself and one to give as a gift. And if you are interested and want to go find the webpage and order it, just Google Mattel Creations Cybertruck, and I'm sure you'll find it very, very quickly. The final news story that I've got for you this week is another exciting one because... Mega chargers for the Tesla Semi are currently being installed at Giga Nevada. This one comes via Tesla tipster Sawyer Merritt, who posted several photos of the mega chargers and added, it's my understanding that these are being built for Tesla Semi test vehicles for trips between Fremont and Giga Nevada. While this is a sign of progress, it shouldn't be interpreted as production being very close. Model Y and Cybertruck are the focus. 
semi and roadster after that, end quote. Now, if you have not seen the pictures on Sawyer's account, these megacharger stations, they are very long lanes, clearly intended for semi-trucks that have trailers attached to them. So this is definitely the real deal. And if you're thinking, well, wait a minute, why would Tesla be spending any money on putting these in if the Tesla Semi we just heard last week is delayed to 2023? And while that is a fair question, I think the pretty clear answer to this is testing. Testing, testing, testing. They will have a good number of beta semis just as they've had with other vehicles prior to them actually going into official formal production. And they're gonna need to test out not only the trucks themselves, but the truck's fast charging capabilities. They're supercharging, or in this case, mega charging capabilities long before they start getting to deliver, getting delivered to those billion dollar corporate clients that they've got like Pepsi and like Anheuser-Busch. So it certainly makes sense to put those mega charger stalls in now for when that beta fleet is gonna get built, which will probably be what, sometime next year maybe, and those beta trucks start hitting the roads and making those runs back and forth between Fremont and Giga Nevada. I imagine they'll be making a lot of parts shipping runs to and from there. Uh, it's about 87 miles between the two, if you're curious, although there are mountains in between, so it's going to burn more energy than just a, a traditional 87. But uh, the mega chargers, I mean, they're going to allow those semi-trucks to charge overnight and get ready for the next morning, although I'm sure they're also going to test them on much quicker turnarounds than overnights as well. And quite frankly, when it is finally time to build those beta semis, what better use for the early 4680 battery cell yields that, you know, might not be quite ready to go into production cars than, than to install them in the beta Tesla semis. So it should all start happening, what, probably sometime next year if history serves. That's when we should start seeing the Tesla semi program really kick into the next gear. That is everything I've got for you in the world of Tesla news for this week. But stay tuned, if you wouldn't mind, to this little sponsorship message from Wholesome Bakery. Again, I love Wholesome Bakery. This is from the heart. Take a listen to this, and I'll be back with the Ride the Lightning hotline coming up in just a minute. All October long, Ride the Lightning is brought to you by Wholesome Bakery. Visit them at wholesomebakery.com. I gotta tell you about this place. As you may know, I cannot eat dairy. So finding genuinely delicious desserts can be tricky because so many great treats are made with milk, butter, or cream. That's why they taste good. But years ago, I found out about Wholesome Bakery, which is a local San Francisco minority women-owned place where everything they make is plant-based. That means nothing they offer has dairy. Not only that, though, everything on the menu is gluten-free, soy-free, and free of refined sugar, so you'll never have that crazy sugar crash. So, some years ago, I tried their cookie sandwiches. It's two cookies with a coconut-based cream filling between them, and I have to tell you, I fell in love with these things. They are genuinely the most delicious dairy-free treats I've ever had, and quite honestly, I would put them up against any dairy-based treats. They've got several flavors that I love, including chocolate chip, caramel, and a peanut butter chocolate cookie with sea salt. 
but they've also got a big menu of other great baked goods too, like paleo-friendly fudge brownies, marzipan truffles, and much more. So with the holidays coming up, they have a great selection of holiday favorites to choose from, like pumpkin chocolate loaves, pies, and Swiss rolls. I gotta be honest with all of you guys, unlike any other sponsorship I've ever had on this show, I sought Wholesome Bakery out on this one and not the other way around because I am a huge fan of their products. And now that they ship anywhere in the United States, I wanted to shout about it from the rooftops here on the podcast. You gotta try these out. Trust me, I promise you that you won't regret it. Check them out and get your order in at wholesomebakery.com. Again, that's W-H-O-L-E-S-O-M-E-B-A-K-E-R-Y.com. By the way, if you do decide to order some Wholesome Bakery treats, do me a favor, in the notes on your order, just say that you came from Ride the Lightning, that you heard about it from Ride the Lightning. That would help me out a lot. All right, Ride the Lightning Hotline time, your chance to call in and be heard here on the podcast. You can call in in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, comment, or discussion topic for the podcast, Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible. And then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same 90 second or less question, comment, or discussion topic and just leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's very simple. It's a toll-free number that you call, and that number is one 888 8752. Again, that's one 989 tsla And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Here's Charles from Northern Virginia calling in response to the FSD beta. Hey, Ryan, this is Charles from Northern Virginia. Uh, long-time listener, love the podcast. Uh, I haven't called him before, but this uh, self-driving beta madness has finally driven me to do so. Uh, three quick things. The first, uh, I happen to be sitting in a supercharger uh, while in a futile attempt to increase my safety score after she who will not be named has driven it down to 96. Uh, on that note, um, I think Tesla should be associating the safety score with the driver profile. So, for example, I should be allowed to get full self-driving beta, but not my wife. <laughs> um, the other two things were uh, I wanted to make two suggestions. One is when you uh, click the uh, quick access, quick control uh, dialog, and then click the button to open the glove box, it should close that dialogue. There's no reason to keep it up, and it's an extra button press. They'd take uh, 33% of the button pushing out of the equation if they just closed it automatically. And the other nit I have is uh, for those of us who don't charge to full very often, we should have the option of enabling a feature that keeps a consistent braking feel, even if it's at a cost of performance, so that you don't get that shock uh, when you realize that you don't have any regen. Because I do it so seldom, I always forget, and it's a bit of a safety thing. I feel like uh, it's something we should enable to say, look, I'd rather just have the same feel regardless of uh, performance loss. Anyway, that's it. Uh, thanks a lot. Happy belated birthday. Love the podcast, and keep it up. Thanks. Bye-bye. 
Charles, it's great to hear from you. Welcome to the hotline portion of the show. First of all, I very much agree that the safety score and thus FSD beta access should be tied to the profile and not the car. It just doesn't make sense for you to suffer if someone else in your household is maybe just not interested in participating in the beta and thus not interested in doing the whole safety score pursuit of it. Second, I really like your suggestion about the glove box button. I too have never done anything else in that menu when I'm seeking access to the glove box. It's not like I want the glove box open and then go, oh yeah, while I'm in here, let me adjust my steering wheel positioning. No, that never happens. So I agree that it should either just close that menu by default after you push the glove box button, or at least give you a checkbox option to enable that behavior if you want it in the menu. Uh, and finally, your braking feel idea is a good one too. These are all solid. Excellent call here, Charles. I hope somebody from Tesla hears this and take notes for the software team. Thank you very much for your call. And let me move now to Blake from Vancouver, Canada. Hey, Ryan. Blake from Vancouver, Canada calling. I got a question about the Model Y 2.0. Do we think it's going to have a greater range over the regular Model Y long range? I understand the 46A's have a larger density and therefore should provide a longer range. Anyways, just wondering what your thoughts I got a second question about entertainment. We currently have a Model 3 SR Plus, and I'm just wondering what the best low-budget remote control would be to play video games. Sometimes while we're supercharging, the kids want to fire up some games in the back, but currently we only have the touchscreen option. Anyways, wondering what your thoughts are. Thanks for everything you do. Take care. Hey, Blake, I will answer the second question first. You can grab a wired Xbox 360 controller off of Amazon for about 18 bucks. I looked it up. That, I think, is going to be the best bang-for-your-buck option, in my somewhat professional opinion, since I do video game stuff by day. Or you could grab the wireless controller package from puretesla.com slash RTL. That's, that's another good option as well if you want to do it wireless, get, the, get two of them, and, and just have a little bit of a cleaner install. Second, regarding the Model Y 2.0, as I've been calling it, I've covered this before, but I am strongly of the opinion, in other words, it's just my educated guess, and I may very well be wrong, but that is that Tesla will, at least for a good while, choose to put fewer 4680 cells in each Model Y 2.0 in order to maintain rough range parity with the 2170-based Model Y vehicles that they're still gonna be building for a while in Fremont and Shanghai. I strongly believe that Tesla would rather sell, just again, hypothetically, I haven't done the exact math here, they'd rather sell five 300-mile Model Y 2.0s than three 400-mile Model Y 2.0s for you know the same roughly number of cells that they could, they could put uh, in either of those scenarios. So again, please don't check my math on this. You get my point just as an example. But I will say we can bookmark this call and we'll see if I'm right or wrong in about a year or so. Next, we've got Randall from the Sunshine Coast in Australia. Go ahead, Randall. 
Hi Ryan, Randall from the Sunshine Coast in Australia calling again. Um, you've had a few calls lately about the uh, LFP pack, so I thought I'd ring in about it. As someone who's owned a 2019 Fremont built uh, Standard Range Plus, which came with the NCA pack, and now I have uh, changed, upgraded to a 2021 uh, Made in China Standard Range Plus with the LFP pack, I thought I'd uh, phone in about my uh, findings. The question the other day was uh, from a few weeks ago that someone asking whether they could get a different icon to show which pack you've got in the car so you knew which to charge. That's actually already happened. So now in the charging screen, there is no indication of trip or daily if you've got an LFP pack. It just says, would you like to charge it to 50, 50%, 60%, 100%. There's no trip or daily delineation actually on the icon anymore. So that's actually already in place. So Tesla have already thought about that one. Second part was uh, people were talking about the worry about uh, I could get an LFP pack in the US now and get it earlier, but the range was advertised as being, uh, I think it was 10 miles an hour shorter, uh, 10 uh, miles shorter in range. Uh, I would still go for the NC, for the LFP pack over the NCA pack, uh, A, because you get your car sooner, but B, because that 10 miles or whatever that range is will be more than made up with the ability to charge it to 100% uh, every day. And also the degradation on the LFP pack is showing as nearly 0%. So here in Australia, we've had these cars now for about six months, and we've got a few people in our uh, Facebook group that have done 50,000 kilometers, so you know, 30, 35,000 miles in their car, and we're showing less than 1% degradation. I've done 15,000 kilometers, and my car is reporting 419 kilometers of range at 100% versus 423 when it was new. So less than 1% percent degradation and this compares to about five percent that you get with the nca pack um so the other benefits for people sitting on the fence and not sure about the lfp pack is um the region is the same from 100 percent down so not sure if this is the bms uh, the battery management system faking it or the additional buffer that they might have built into the pack now that it's larger being a 55 kilowatt hour pack uh, or something else but it's certainly great for the mass market the car behaves the same it has regen whether you're at 100 percent or at 50 percent it really is set and, forget, set and forget. You put it to 100% all the time. It's easy to understand. It's easy to manage. There's no stuffing around with it. Just put it to 100% and leave it. Uh, you get a higher charge cycle out of the LFP, so it's reportedly uh, lasts a lot longer. So if the NCA pack's rated for you know, 1,000 cycles, which gives you, you know, a couple of hundred thousand miles or more, the LFP battery pack is rated more than that. Uh, the LFP pack is a safer chemistry, uh, apparently, so it has less chance of thermal runaway. Not that that's a big problem anyway. And the LFP pack doesn't contain any rare earth materials like uh, we see with cobalt and things like that in the other ones. And I know Tesla are actively trying to get rid of them across all packs, but uh, there is no uh, rare earths in the LFP pack. So thanks a lot for that. I hope that uh, helps some of your listeners out there. Thanks, Ryan. Randall, that was extremely informative. Thank you for that. You have owned and lived with both, so your perspective here is extremely valuable, as was your explanation of all the differences and particularly the benefits of the LFP pack. I appreciate your call. I've, this is one of those, I've got nothing to add to this. I'm just happy to play it. Great stuff. Thanks again, Randall. Here's Kenny from Newport News. Hey, Ryan. What's going on? It's Kenny calling in from Newport News. Hey, look, man, I just wanted to call and share with you, man, I am overjoyed and ecstatic. Praise God, I was finally able to go to the Tesla website and order my Model Y. 
man, I am so hyped, dude. So hyped. I've been listening to this podcast for so long. I've been in love with Tesla for so long. You know, I've just been wanting this for so, so long, so many years. And, I mean, we're here. We're here, you know. I mean, the, the joy that I feel right now is just amazing. Uh, you know, I ordered a long-range Model Y. Uh, it's going to be hopefully available around April of next year. I mean, things just lined up perfectly. I got a new job in a city that's about uh, 60 or so miles from the city that I live in now. And, you know, hey, the math worked out that it was cheaper for me to buy a Model Y than it was for me to drive my uh, current ride, my Mercedes. So, man, I, I'm I'm so happy, glad to finally be a part of the family. So, anyway, man, I just had a call share with you and let you know how excited I was, man. Thank you so much for putting this podcast together and getting people so excited. And, uh, you know, when that day hits, man, oh, it feels good. And just knowing that uh, we got the support of you is great. All right, man, take it easy. Kenny, I am so grateful that you chose to share this with me. For listeners that don't know, Kenny is a longtime listener who's called in on occasion for many years. I've never met Kenny, but I can tell from listening to his calls that he just radiates joy. He just seems like such a cheerful, positive guy, the kind of person that you want in your life. And because of that, I am so incredibly happy, Kenny, to hear about your Model Y order. Now, the bad news is that this next part, the wait from ordering it to taking delivery of it, that's the hardest part. And six months is certainly a long time. My advice is to try not to think about it, which I know from personal experience is basically impossible, but the day will come and I am happy to have been of service to you here on the podcast along the way. You will have to email me pictures once it arrives. Next up, Jacob from Birmingham. Hey Ryan, this is Jacob from Birmingham, Alabama. I love the podcast. This is actually the first time that I'm reaching out, but um, I just took delivery of a standard range plus uh, actually, the new LFP model, and I had a quick question. Um, I got the car, and I've had one software update, and I'm at 2021.11.103. And from my understanding, that's actually a relatively old build of the software. In your experience, how long does it generally take for a new variant or model with new features, um, different battery chemistry? How long does it generally take for those cars to reach feature parity? with the the other cars it's vision only lfp uh, so i'm missing some cool features like disney plus and the car wash mode um, along with a few different other things so i'm uh, just curious uh, if anyone has any experience with that and uh, kind of what i could expect thank you so much and thanks for the podcast and keep up the great work jacob congratulations on that new lfp model 3 Enjoy getting almost zero degradation and charging up to 100% every day. Now, to answer your question, since I wasn't able to get to any phone calls last week due to the shareholder meeting, I suspect you may have gotten an update by now. But you are right that there is some precedent for the update scarcity that you've experienced because the vision-only cars only just got their first major update not too long ago a good, what, couple of months after being in customers' hands. So no need to worry about it, not that you are, but I suspect that you will be caught up pretty soon, quite possibly by the time you hear this. 
Thanks for your call, Jacob. Let me do one more call this week. It comes from Andres from Miami. Go ahead. Hey, Ryan. It's Andres from Miami. Long-time listener. Haven't uh, called in for a while. But uh, I do want to comment on the question around uh, whether or not it's a good idea to have a Tesla as a test drive vehicle. About a year ago, um, my daughter did her test on my blue Long Range Performance Model 3. And I tell you, it was great. Um, I made sure that I enabled uh, the rolling feature. So it mirrors a regular car that when it's in drive, it just rolls out slowly and did not get any pushback whatsoever from the instructor. In fact, the instructor was really curious about the car, had a thousand questions, um, thought it was really cool. At the end of the day, my daughter passed, um, and uh, and I think we got a new uh, Tesla admirer. And uh, so, yeah, no issues down here in South Florida when it comes to doing test drives with your Tesla vehicle. Once again, thank you for all you do. Appreciate the podcast and hope you have a great day. Andres, thank you very much for sharing that story. I am so glad to hear that it went so well. The one thing I kept waiting for you to say though, was that you put the car in valet mode. So either you did so that she didn't have all 500 horsepower right there at a flick of her ankle, or she's incredibly disciplined to have not used those 500 horsepower. And if that's the case, you are both to be commended, you for teaching her well, and her for not giving into the temptation to use all of those horses. Thanks so much for sharing that. Thanks to everybody who called in. And again, I welcome and invite your calls. Be a part of the podcast via the Ride the Lightning hotline. I gave you the call-in information for that at the top of the segment, so refer back to that if you are interested and have something in mind. And with that, though, I'm not done, so don't press stop just yet. I'm going to come right back and do the pro tip of the week and talk about uh, what I just got the pet liner, the Tesla, which I talked about last week. So I've got some more stuff to talk about right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. A couple of things with me and my car. First, I want to give a shout out to the listener, and I sincerely apologize. I did not make note of exactly who it was at the time. It was somebody that was tweeting me. I should have taken note so that I could have given proper credit now. But anyway, uh, that listener who recommended a product to me to take the scuff marks out of the glove box, you know, the surface of the glove box when it's closed in the Model 3. Whatever, If you've got a 3, or I presume a Y as well, you know that whatever material that Tesla is using, at least whatever material they were using in 2018, it makes it so that anytime you basically touch it, if anything brushes up against it, it leaves a scuff and you can't wipe it off. It doesn't come off. It's like a permanent scuff. But anyway, thanks to that listener, I was directed to a product called Chemical Guys. That's the brand. You've probably heard of them before. They make a lot of detailing products. Chemical Guys brand VRP, Vinyl Rubber Plastic Protectant, VRP Protectant. 
it works great. If you just do a liberal application of that onto a microfiber per the instructions, you rub it in there, it works great and it makes the glove box look exactly like it's supposed to look, which is nice and it's not shiny, which I like. It's not, it does, it's not like an armor all thing. It just kind of restores the finish without any of the scuff look to it. So highly recommend that. It was nine bucks on Amazon and one bottle is probably gonna last me the entire life of the car. So take note of that if that's an issue for you as well. Also, I got my Tesla pet liner that I, for the second row of the car that I mentioned on last week's podcast, but FedEx tried very hard to lose it, unfortunately. I mean, these things happen. It did get hung up for a while. I had to call. They finally found it. It just got here like two hours before I recorded the podcast. So I cannot give you an extensive review of how it went with Daisy, but I can tell you that I did install it because I plan to have Daisy in there tomorrow. We're going to go for a drive. We'll take a nice walk outside of the city somewhere. So I put it in and I can definitely say that it's a very comprehensive pet liner. It covers absolutely everything back there and it was pretty easy to install. Even the door panel covers, they go in with these little kind of plastic clips that push in pretty easily. They go, it goes like down into the window track, like, you know, between the trim and the window. So the one thing I'll say is I have window tinting as I'm sure a lot of people do. So I'm not sure, I, I don't think I'm gonna wanna bring the window up or down cause it's gonna rub against that plastic clip. So that's the one thing I would be concerned about, but the material's soft, it's plush. Like I said, it just has full coverage over the whole back seat area. It's very nice looking. So it at the very least passes the eye test in terms of the fact that it costs almost three times more than the Amazon one, not Amazon brand, but well, the one I got from Amazon three years ago when I first got my car. So I'll talk about that uh, after I've used it on next week's show, we'll see how Daisy likes it. Speaking of Daisy, I wanted to take this opportunity to mention to all of you, I am extraordinarily happy and quite frankly, kind of pleasantly surprised that, that we got here already. I am very happy to report that Daisy has gotten back to her target weight of 61 pounds. It took us eight months to get nine excess pounds off that she had gained uh, after, you know, she went to emergency with the heart, serious heart condition. And they told me, you know, you got to basically bed rest the dog. So we weren't doing any exercise and we were changing the diet and trying to find the right amount of food there. Clearly I was overfeeding early on combined with the lack of exercise. She put on a good bit of weight. She put on uh, about eight pounds, which is way too much for her size. And she's supposed to be 60, 61 pounds. So she was 61. They told me she was 61 pounds when they admitted her to the, to the emergency. So we are back to where we were. She looks great. It feels so good now that her heart is better and her body is better too. So really, really uh, grateful for that, that the, the, you know, that we've been putting in the work, trying to get the stamina up on long walks and uh, making sure we're getting a lot of exercise. So it feels really good to have her. I mean, really she's healthier now, of course, because now I know that there was a heart condition that was progressively getting worse. She's healthier now than she's been in a long time. So I'm just so grateful for that. 
All right, pro tip of the week here. It's from Justin in Vancouver, Washington. Hey, Ryan. This is Justin from Vancouver, Washington, calling in with another tip for you. I was uh, driving down the freeway the other day, and uh, there was a gravel truck about, oh, about 100 yards and two lanes over from me, just spilling gravel down the road, bouncing away. I tried to get around it, and it was too late. I got four dents in the hood of my aluminum Tesla, which are very easy to get dents in. Uh, ripped up the uh, paint protection film there and everything, but didn't scratch the paint. So the film protected my paint for me, so good for that. Um, but I want to tell everybody, if you get those dents, don't go to the body shop. Call a paintless dent repair company. Um, within about an hour and for a couple hundred bucks, they took out four very noticeable dents out of my hood on my Model 3 Performance and looked good as new. New uh, paint protection film, and it'll be like it never happened and saved me a lot of time and money at the body shop. So strongly recommend that service for all the people that love their cars as much as we do. Thanks and love your podcast. Have a good one. Justin, what a nightmare. That dump truck driver and the company that owns it should be held liable for that. And I'm sure they could be, but I imagine that you weren't exactly in a hurry to speed through the gravel and get up close to get the license plate or anything like that, or or even necessarily the business name. But on the plus side... Thank you for that suggestion. Uh, I have used paintless dent repair once for a strange, mystery, small dent down near my front right wheel well. I have no idea where it came from. And I I got to watch the guy do it. I I looked, uh, found somebody on Yelp who had really good reviews. He came to the house to do it, remote guy. Uh, And I got to say, it is like wizardry in the hands of of one of these master technicians that can do this. It's really cool stuff. And by the way, I'm so glad to hear that your paint protection film saved you as well. If you didn't have it, you'd have certainly suffered noticeable paint damage on the hood. So I'm glad to hear that your car is good as new again. If anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week that they'd like to share with your fellow Tesla owners and enthusiasts, please call in with it. You call in with that the same way that you do with the regular Ride the Lightning hotline, which I told you about earlier in the show. So refer back to that. And with that, let me say hello and thank you to some friends of the podcast from the Patreon backers to some businesses that might uh, you might find useful. First, I want to mention abstractocean.com. Again, that fourth generation tempered glass screen protector for the Model 3 and the Model Y has an antimicrobial coating and uses aluminosilicate glass, the same stuff that Corning uses for Gorilla Glass. So it is not gonna break. It is the cleanest, hardest Tesla screen protector in the world. It ships with the installation frame, making installation a breeze, and there's a lifetime guarantee if it's damaged in the line of duty. AbstractOcean.com also sells a whole ton of other aftermarket accessories, notably lighting kits, lighting products. If you either want to Brighten, just put in brighter white LEDs in the interior of the car, in the trunk, in the front. They've got you covered there. Or if you want to get creative, buy different colors. You could do purple LEDs, blue LEDs, whatever you want to do. Check it all out. Whatever you want to grab, abstractocean.com. Pile it all into your shopping cart there. And when you go to check out, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST. 
That's all one word, R-T-L-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, R-T-L-Podcast at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. And then, of course, we have uh, the Snap Plate made by the folks at Every Amp. You can get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. Don't forget the slash RTL. That is the front license plate bracket that is the best front license plate bracket because unlike the one that Tesla gives you with your car, it doesn't use automotive adhesive, automotive tape to stick to the front of the car. It will snap on and off in seconds, but do so securely. It doesn't scratch anything. It doesn't get in the way of autopilot, any any cooling, nothing. It's just a clean, minimal design. You can take it off for washing it. You can take it off for car shows. You know, you can put it back on if you're parked at a meter. You know, that meter mate will come around. So grab yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. They sell them for each of the four Teslas. So they've got you covered no matter what. Uh, Immaculate Reflections, of course. If you're going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area with your Tesla, or quite frankly, any car, maybe you've got another cool car that the project car, another classic, something else you love in the garage that you want to give some love and attention to, Immaculate Reflections, I promise you, I promise you uh, a blood oath that you're going to get the best quality work from the best quality human His name is Jeff, and he is the owner of Immaculate Reflections. Mention that you're a podcast listener of this show, and there's a little discount waiting for you. Whether you want to do paint correction, paint protection film on some or all of the car, and or ceramic coating so that you don't have to wax the car for the next three to five years, any of it, all of it, a combination of it, irdetailing.com. That is the website to go to, and again, Mention that you're a Ride the Lightning listener and there is a discount waiting for you should you book in work with Jeff. Don't forget puretesla.com slash RTL, your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. They make a micro SD-based solution in a USB kit that uh, will basically never wear out, unlike regular USB flash memory that's not really meant for the constant reading and writing that the dash cam and sentry mode do. So I've got the Pure Tesla kit in my car. I highly recommend it. Again, puretesla.com slash RTL, 49 bucks for the 128 gigabyte kit. It ships free anywhere in the US and it comes fully formatted and ready to go. Just take it out of the package when it arrives, plug it into your car and you're done. That's it. It's a Mac and PC compatible as well for the times when you do want to take the the drive out and plug it into your computer and review the footage. Also, they've now uh, they're now selling the wireless game controller packs. It's uh, again I've mentioned it before, kind of a a Super Nintendo style, kind of smaller, more streamlined controller, which is a it's a nice looking game pad, and it's got the wireless adapter kit. So if you're if you know it'll the two of them if you buy the two pack will just fit nicely in the center console, which is a great place to keep them. So if that is of interest as well, you can also get that at the same place, puretesla.com slash RTL. And finally, the other friend of the show, of course, would be Jada. They sell a number of fine Tesla products. I'm a big big fan of the wireless charging pad. That's for those of you with pre-2021 Model 3s which uh, I am one of those people. It's just an excellent product. 
It's 99 bucks, and but you know you buy it once and you have it, and it's great for the entire life of the car. If you have a 2021 three or Y, there's the USB hub console. It's a storage organizer, USB hub, Apple watch charger and AirPod charger. It's all in one. It's pretty cool. They also sell a large SSD drive for the dash cam and sentry mode if that is of interest. So if any of that or all of that is of interest, go to getjada.com slash ref slash eight. Please use that link specifically and use the coupon code RTL to get a nice discount from Jada. Finally, the Patreon. This is the part of the show where I plug that because uh, as hopefully is evident, a lot of love, a lot of research, a lot of time, energy, and care goes into this podcast each and every week. It has been and always will be voluntarily listener supported. It's always going to just get put out every Sunday at 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern. But uh, a lot, again, a lot goes into this. So if at some point, maybe it's today, maybe it's next week, maybe it's next month, you go, you know what? I've been listening to Ride the Lightning for a while, and Ryan, you've earned my support on Patreon. I'm happy to back you. You can go to the Patreon page to learn more about doing that and to actually do that. It's found at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast, Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. There are different support tiers. Each tier has a different little perk or bonus, however you want to look at it, attached to it, like the base tier at five bucks a month will get you early access to each week's episode. Or if you go on up to the maximum plaid tier, which is uh, getting more popular, that one for 25 bucks a month, or you can, by the way, just pay for the entire year and you get a 5% discount if you do that as well. Trying to, you know, just say thank you if you're willing to commit for a year like that. Maximum plaid, you get the early access, you get the monthly bonus mini episode, you get the shout out each week, and you get a standing invitation every month to the group Google Hangout, which we've been having an absolute ball talking uh, at each and every month. It's It's been a good, healthy group of us each time. I've uh, been having a blast with that. Those t- tend to happen at the beginning of the month, so we're here in the middle of the month now, so the next one is a couple weeks away. But anyway, patreon.com slash Podcast. I'd be humbled and grateful if you decided to take a, at least take a peek at that site at some point in time. Uh, you can listen, sla- well, follow slash subscribe slash whatever each provider calls it now. But, you know, do that on whichever podcast service you like best because that way the show will get pushed to you automatically each week and you don't have to remember to manually go and find it yourself. So I am on pretty much all the big podcast services such as iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, the two that are natively built into the car, which is Stitcher, uh, excuse me, TuneIn and Spotify. And then you can also find me on YouTube, just audio only. It's just an audio feed. There's no video there. But if you do want to listen on YouTube, just search Ride the Lightning Tesla and you'll find my channel very easily there and you can can subscribe on YouTube. Uh, Again, my email address, teslapodcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Instagram at DMC underscore Ryan. I've had some fun photos there. I put up, again, all of my... Mac House, professional 
car photos from the photo studio event that we had recently, which was such a fun thing. So uh, those pictures, all kinds of fun pictures up there. If you're interested in follow along, following along rather with my own personal Tesla journey. That will about wrap it up, except let me, of course, say hello and thank you to the Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space tier backers. I'll start with the Roadster in Space crew. They are Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Scooter Ward, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Crafty Geek, Richard Stokes, and Rolf and Jennifer Evers. Thanks to all of you. I just had a wonderful chat with Richard Stokes this past week, uh, the Roadster in Space Tier crew. Their final perk that they get uh, in their group is a one-on-one Google Hangout with me every month, should they opt in for it. Chatted with Richard for the first time about his new Tesla, him and his wife enjoying it over in the UK. So Richard, pleasure to speak with you. Looking forward to next month, and we'll do that again. The Maximum Plaid crew, thank you very much. To Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Howard Anthony Smith, Charles Galpin, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisneski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversoll, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Mait Suaru, Derek Nesselrote, uh, Justin Perez, there we go, lost my place for a second, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Matt Kalen, Zachary Howard, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham Droneberger, Scott Gillis, and Aaron Huxley. Thanks to all of you, sincerely, for your very generous Maximum Plaid pledge each month. And then the Plaid crew, a sincere thanks to this group as well. Of course, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondal, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altshul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, the Tesla Owners Club of the East Bay here in the San Francisco Bay Area, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Joshua Walker, Rick Dean, and not Elon Musk. Thanks to all of you for your continued generosity. That will wrap it up for what I think has been a bit of an extra long episode of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast. There's been a lot to talk about this week. I really loved hearing from J.B. Straubel. That is a rare treat. I mean, it's great when I have Elon clips like I did again this week and we'll have again next week, maybe if Elon shows up at the earnings call. But JB, we never get to hear from a co-founder of the company who went through it all. Brilliant guy. He's uh, just not one that tends to do interviews. Thanks again to Jason Calacanis for landing that interview and doing a great job speaking to uh, JB on that. So that was fun. And that'll wrap it up. I say happy electric motoring to all of you. 
Uh, it looks like hopefully by the time all of you hear next week's episode, or by the time the 99s, uh, those of you in the safety score game, uh, the 99s will hopefully have their full self-driving beta in time for next week's show, episode 325. And of course, again, next week's show will be the quarterly earnings call and recap that I always do each and every quarter. So for a snoozing Daisy the Boxer, I am Ryan McCaffrey. This was Ride the Lightning, episode 324, and I'll see you next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make, it's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.